All right, so last time you guys were together, Barry was in here with you all. We started John chapter 6, so you guys can go there. John chapter 6. And then I'm going to ask you what you talked about. Fortunately for you, there is a board in front of you with lots of thoughts that uh, were jotted down after the, the feeding of the 5,000. You guys jumped into the bread of life discourse. What that basically means is Jesus teaches on the fact that he is the bread of life, and John puts this right after his time of sharing the feeding of the 5,000. All right, so starting in verse 22, you guys got down through about verse 26 or so. What were some of the things you all discussed? Yes, Blake? Food and miracles. Food and miracles, okay. Anything else? Whatever's written in red. Whatever's written in red. <laughs> All the red letter things of the Bible. Yeah. Oh, you're going to erase it now. Yeah, I have to erase it. We're going to have to erase it. All right. So, what else did you guys discuss? You discussed food and miracles. What else? Bread of life What, Zach? You have the bread of life through faith. You get the bread of life through faith? Where did you read that? Okay. You're not wrong. I don't know where you read it from. <laughs> of course, I can't read half of Barry's writing. So. All right, what else? If you don't work, you don't eat. Okay, talked about if you don't work, you don't eat. Oh, there it is. <laughs> All right, what else? Oh, yeah, I forgot to bring that. You guys remember talking about the bread of life? How many of you were here the last Sunday school class of the, the year? When was the last Sunday school? It was the the tenth. I was not in here because the children were singing. Well, I think I was there. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I was here. We didn't have one over Christmas. Yeah, that's right. We defined bread. I said physical sustenance. Defined bread as physical sustenance. And then we went into the spiritual aspect of the bread. All right, talked about the spiritual aspect of bread. What are the spiritual aspects of bread? Question you want answered? Yeah. I mean, if you it was discussed, what's the spiritual aspect of bread? It rises. It rises. Okay. It's nourishing. Nourishing, okay. Definitely the sustenance side of it. Anything else? Okay. Seal of approval, what's that mean? I wasn't here, y'all have to explain that to me. Like when a uh, king or a nobleman like stamps their seal, it's like their signature, but like with wax and a little cool design. Okay. Yeah. What's the context that it came into the feeding of the five thousand? I was I legitimately wasn't here. Barry and I talked a little, but. Okay, so we've got a seal of approval coming out of verse 27. Uh, you probably read, I don't know. That's what he told me was 26. Alright, so what does that mean then, Addison? It means that God has approved Jesus. I don't know how to explain it. Okay. Anyone else want to try to take a stab at it? 
Here, I'll, I'll read verse 22 through 26, and we'll kind of pick up from there so you guys can think about it. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered into the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into boats and went to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, or verily, verily, um, or of a surety, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but, understood, work for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. All right, so how is this context of the setting of the seal, God's approval, how is it coming into play in our passage of John chapter 6? Okay, so work for spiritual things as well as physical things. Okay, but what about that whole seal conversation? Because that was kind of the last question we asked before I read is, for on him God the Father has set his seal. What is the context in which that's being used? Who is the him? Does it say Jesus? It says the Son of Man. Who's the Son of Man, Malachi? Jesus. All right. So what does it mean then that the Father has set his seal? Is it the sense of um, this is from me? In the, you know, Ben kind of was pointing out the whole their ring or their signet they could put into wax and say like, hey, this is, this is from me. Is that what it means? Like is that what... What, Tyler? He has authority. Okay. Kind of to back up what he's saying. Good, he has his authority. So God the Father has given his authority to the Son. Okay, great. And Jesus has told these people, you all are here, why? Why did they follow Jesus? They wanted food. Okay, is it, do you think it's because they wanted food or because they had eaten the food? Well, they were also looking for it was because they ate the food, because they are looking for physical material of God. Excellent. So what is it the Pharisees are always chasing from Jesus? Uh, Nancy? Yeah, they want the miracles. They want, they want the signs. They want Jesus to do the tricks, if you will. You know, they, they like the, the sleight of hand, if you 
you know, they want to go see the optical illusions. They like the they like the magic. They want they want to see those things. But these people aren't chasing him down because they're looking for more miracles. They just have benefited from his ministry. And they want to continue to benefit. They in, so does that have does that have a parallel with how people I will say follow Jesus today? Are there people that follow Jesus today like that? The healing, not the healer, type of thing. So let's okay. So let's talk about let's divide our all right. When it comes to our Pharisees, what is it that they're they're looking for? Yeah, they're looking for the miracles, the works, you know, um, seeking the spectacular, if you will. Okay, who's the other group of people, though? Just the commoners, the people. All right, and what is it that they're chasing down? What are they following for? Are they seeking miracles? Is that a raised hand, Zach, or are you just stretching? Okay. It does look like a raised hand. Let's just throw that out there. What are they what is it that they're they're following for? Some are going for miracles, some are also going for teaching. Okay, so the we'll put the teaching, because there is that. What what else why does Jesus say they followed him? Yeah, because they've eaten the bread. Now, let's change the conversation from these people, uh, the Pharisees and the crowds. And let's talk about church goers, those that attend church. Why, what, is, what is this, the Pharisees? And I might, I might have to help you on this one a little bit. Zach? Okay, they're keepers of the law. So what else though? Like if, if we were gonna if there's a parallel in how people are in churches today, what would the parallel be uh, as far as like why they go? So why would these people why are these people going? Why are the Pharisees going? Nancy, you could just talk out. You don't have to raise your hand. Okay, maybe they're seeking The Holy Spirit, and I'm going to put that in quotes because that's the direction that I want. I think it, it goes. Um, I think you all will understand it once I write it down. They want the experience. Spectacular. Yeah, they, they want to be entertained. They want to be impressed. They want to be wowed. They want to feel like, man, that was a really good show. Like, I'm, right? Okay, any of y'all ever been to a church like that? Like, it, just, it seemed like what the church was doing was for the show, for the spectacular, for the production side of it. Um, there is, do y'all know who, who Bethel is? Bethel Church? 
They Bethel, yeah, Bethel Music. Um, I forget their name, but the Reckless Love, okay, Corey Asbury, right? That's his name. Okay, Reckless Love, that song. The church that puts out that stuff. This is very much their drive of the experience in their worship. They, at one point in time, I remember reading an article on it. They put some type of, I think it was gold glitter, some type of substance in the air conditioning vents that when combined with the fog that they would put out and the lights off the glitter, that it basically produced this Holy Spirit, air quotes, you know, cloud where they felt like there was an anointing falling on the place. Sure. Same experience. Yeah. Um, I would put it a little differently because I know those guys. Yeah. Um, one more time, Nancy. Yeah, they they might over spiritualize. They might fake certain things. Um, and talking with a, a coworker, I say coworker, someone who works here. They don't work in my my area. Um, this past week, they they were referencing that someone literally had spoken something, and so they had to basically abide by it because this person said that that was going to happen. And I'm like, what? Like this this side is very much the we want the experience. We want to feel like we've been to church. That's what they're seeking. I want that. I have this itch that needs scratched. I want the experience side of it. But then you have another group of people, and this group of people, they still go to church, but not for these reasons. They may also like the aspect of the teaching. But I don't want us to think in the sense, because there's another group of people here in our John chapter 6 passage. You've got Pharisees, you've got the crowd, but who's the third group of people that's not on the board? Who are they? The disciples. The true followers. The reason why this matters is because when we get to 66 and the end of the chapter, there is a huge split. Massive split. Because things get tough. And so I want us to kind of create some categories, or at least identify the categories, of what do we see in John 6 that would lead us towards this split. But now, it's not just that they like the experience of the teaching. For them, it could very well be, instead of the teaching, it could be the social aspect of it. The networking. The, well, you know what, I found a really good realtor because I went to this church. Oh, you know what, I found a mechanic because I went to this church. Um, oh, I needed, you know, to change insurance companies. I, you know, whatever it is. We have lots of people that are in lots of different trades and um, fields of, of labor that they work in. And maybe it's the social aspect. Or maybe it's the, hey, you know what, we had a kid and they did this meal train for us. Because they, similarly to these people up here, they physically benefit. I mean, let's be honest. Think about yourself for just a moment. 
are you in one of these two categories? That you come because you like the experience, the, the spiritual high, if you will, of being at church? Do you come for the social or the physically beneficial aspects of it? Like, oh yeah, well that's, that's my tribe, that's where my people are. And it's very much the social aspect. Or are you in the third group that's not on the board and it's the, they're the followers of Christ who are going where Christ is? Because when we look, now we look down at verse 27. Well, sorry, we looked at 27, look at 28 now. Because Jesus has told them, as Blake mentioned to us, you need to be looking for spiritual stuff rather than physical stuff. So what's the question they ask then? Someone read verse 28 for us. What's verse 28 say? Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Yeah, they're interested. What do we got to do? Ashley, they want to know, okay, I'm interested in doing these works of God. What are they? Can you tell me what those works of God are? I'm glad you asked because Jesus is going to answer them. Let me get another volunteer to read verse 29. All right, so what's that work? What's that physical thing? What's that thing I got to do so that I can be doing the works of God? Good. All right. Excellent. You guys are finding it. That you believe in the one he has sent. You want to know what you got to do? You got to believe. Anything else, Jesus? No. I don't have to go to church. That's not what he says. I don't have to tithe. Nope. That's not what he says. I don't have to be baptized. Nope. That's not what he says. I have to believe. Now, we understand that word believe is kind of, I don't want to say nuanced, but it's multi-layered, isn't it? Because what does believe mean? Like I believe you're wearing a watch because I see it. Okay, you believe I'm wearing a watch because you can physically see that. All right? <clears throat> what does believe mean? To trust or have faith in what he has said. And what he has said or done. Okay? What does that ha Can you see belief? No. Wait, works. Abby, what do you mean works? Okay, so you see what someone does and that's how you will deduce whether or not they are saved. So Jesus says to them, or excuse me, they say back to him when they hear that they have to believe. What? What's their response? Someone else, read verse 30 for us. It's just a conversation. Alright, so then they ask, that's great, um, could you show us? Now, what's what's the what sticks out to you about that? Well, I mean, it's the thing you have to believe in, right? Yeah, but what sticks out to you about their request? Yeah, they just saw a miracle. Now, sure, the text leads us to believe that there are some new people that are there. 
All right, we read that there were boats that weren't there that then showed up. And now they've relocated to Capernaum. And now they want to know, great, could you please show us a sign? And it's so interesting because what's the sign that they reference? Someone else, read verse 31 for us. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. What miracle do they just reference? Manna. Manna in the wilderness. Alright, so they're wandering in the wilderness. For 40 years, they get to eat manna. Drop fresh daily. Minus Saturday. And they want to know, where's ours? Because he gave them bread from heaven to eat. They just had, many of them just had bread. But why do they... Why are they not counting that? Like, why does that bread not count? Why do you think it wouldn't count for them? Should it count? I mean, yes. yeah, but why do you think they're not including that in the list? Like, okay, maybe they didn't drop. It didn't drop down from heaven. Like, I didn't wake up, walk outside my tent, and find it laying on the ground like they did. So it's not good enough. Maybe it's something. Okay, maybe they didn't see it. Why now, Blake? I I agree with you. So, what from the narrative or the story in the feeding of the five thousand would lead us to believe that maybe some people did not see? They just got past food. Yeah, because they're out in the back and they just got handed food. And what about that food? Okay, maybe they just had it with them. But let's also keep in mind, where did the food come from? That little boy that had a lunch who was willing to share. Which would have meant if God, Jesus, multiplied the bread that the boy had, what did the bread taste like? Whatever his mama made. Maybe she was a little embarrassed. Like maybe I overcooked the bread that day. All those people ate it. Right? I mean, because to them it would have tasted like common bread, right? Whatever typical bread would have been packed in a lunch for a child to take with them, that's what they had. Maybe they didn't physically see Jesus breaking it over and over and over again. Maybe only the first, what, hun couple hundred people got to actually physically see that happen. Once you get so far away, you're not going to be able to physically see that. That's what, over 5,000 people? Yeah, there's over 5,000 people. You're not going to see that. Especially, and we're not told one way or the other, maybe if so those of you who have watched like Chosen episodes, maybe you've seen how like they would portray it, but we're not told whether he reaches his hand into the lunchbox, if you will, breaks off a piece and hands it to the disciples and keeps going. We're not told whether he breaks it into 12 pieces, puts each of it into a basket, and it suddenly multiplies like the widow's oil in the Old Testament. Like, we're not told the details of what this miracle looked like. But what we know is that he multiplied a boy's lunch for all these people. So maybe they've already seen their miracle, and they don't know it. 
Or maybe they're just rejecting it. That they don't believe in it. Maybe they saw it. Maybe they do believe it. But they want more of those experiences. Because they're not seeking to be satisfied in Christ. They're seeking to be satisfied with the, the miracles or the signs that he does. So then Jesus says to them, verse 32, Truly, truly, I say to you, it wasn't Moses that gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Now what has Jesus just done? What has Jesus just done? Take a moment, read through those verses again. Those of you that went to the early service, you, you should be able to track this. If not, you'll see something very similar. Alright, so Blake's pointing out that we have a my father reference. Alright, so he's claiming to be the son of God. What else do you see there? Using a true bread from okay, what, what about true bread, James? Like the bread of life. What is the bread of life? Verse 35. What's the bread of life, Zoe? Blake says verse 35. Verse 35. Yeah. Zach? Jesus. Hey, Jesus. So what has he just done? Follow the conversation. Hey, our ancestors got to eat bread by the hand of Moses in the wilderness. He, that's how they got bread from heaven. And Jesus says, it wasn't Moses that gave them the bread. It's my father. But my Father gives you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God, or the true bread from heaven, is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So Jesus says, he, he turns the conversation from physical bread to spiritual bread. You guys see that? The Israelites ate physical bread in the wilderness for 40 years. These Israelites today in John 6, they want physical bread. And Jesus says to them, number one, it's not Moses that handed it out. Which is interesting when you consider Christ's authority on the matter. Moses did not hand out the bread. Moses was the vessel that communicated how the bread would arrive. But he's not the one that handed out the bread. In John 6, in our feeding of the 5,000, Jesus is the one who is handing out the bread. Very much that authority that he has the seal of God on him, I'm the one giving you the bread. And so then he says, it was my father that gives the bread, and now he's giving you true bread. And so Jesus has said, it's not the bread that you ate, what is it that my father is giving you? One word answer. Jesus. From his perspective, it would be me. My Father is giving you me. And 
I am the one who comes down from heaven and I give life to the world. And that makes a lot of sense. And so they say, verse 34, can you hook us up with some of that? Give us this bread always. And so Jesus says to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him, because he said, I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. And then they go right back to the isn't this Jesus? He's the son of Joseph. We know his father and his mother. How then does he say he comes down from heaven? So we'll pause here, and we're actually going to pick up next week with verse 35. Because I want you to see that in these groups of people that are seeking the wrong thing, they don't understand what it is they're actually supposed to be looking for. And when they're told what it is, they don't get it.